Good morning. It is Kale and Company live right here at WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. We're glad to have you with us as we brace for yet another winter storm that is coming our way uh, late this afternoon, early this evening, which is going to create some havoc with the commute home this afternoon, but uh, I think all, all the kids will be home from school by the time uh, the storm arrives. At least that's the latest data that we are getting, but uh, it could uh, create some havoc uh, later on this evening, uh, tonight, in the early morning hours, so we'll uh, find out about uh, whether there's going to be schools open tomorrow or not in the area as a result of uh, what's going to take place uh, late this afternoon uh, into tonight. They're saying our area, the greater uh, Concord, Manchester area, and uh, up through the Lakes region could get 6 to 10 additional inches of snow. That's what they are saying uh, so far. We are here on this Wednesday, and uh, in the next half hour, at around 8.35 this morning, uh, we'll uh, be chatting with a gentleman by the name of Bob Delaney. If that name is a little bit familiar to you, uh, if you're a basketball fan, it might be quite familiar. Bob spent uh, 25 years as an NBA referee, and uh, Bob also spent some time infiltrating the mob in New Jersey as a member of the New Jersey State Police. And uh, as a result of his work there, he uh, developed, uh, you know, what uh, people are, are calling PTSD these days. And he has become a, a recognized expert in that uh, since uh, developing uh, that himself after spending three years uh, working with uh, the state police and infiltrating the New Jersey mob, you know, like the Sopranos. He knew the Sopranos before any of us did. So we'll be uh, talking with Bob Delaney in our next half hour right here on Kale and Company on WKXL. Boston Bruins, they won again last night. They have been unbelievable. Uh, they won. Celtics lost last night. And Bees beat the Canadians in Montreal 4-2. The captain, Patrice Bergeron, scored the game winner with just under three minutes left in the third period. It was Bergeron's 18th goal of the year. He was set up by Brad Marchand and David Pasternak. Pasternak uh, went on to score an empty net goal with under a minute to play to seal the deal. It was number 37 of the season for Pasta. Uh, Taylor Hall and David Krejci also scored for Boston last night. And Jeremy Swayman made 22 saves in goal for the Bees. Their record now is just unbelievable, a thing to behold. It's historic. It's the best start ever by any team ever in the National Hockey League. I mean ever, since the 1920s. 38-5-4 is their record. The four uh, indicating uh, overtime or shootout losses. 38-5-4. They've only lost one game at home. 
Bees now 16-4-1 on the road. And next up will be the Tampa Bay Lightning. That'll be Thursday night in Tampa, Florida. Lightning, good record as well. Very good record, 30-15-1. But just think about it, 38-5-4 under first-year head coach Jim Montgomery. Many of us said when they fired Bruce Butch Cassidy at the end of last season, what are they doing? He's a great coach. And he is. He's gone on to coach the Vegas Golden Knights, and they're doing very well. But sometimes you need a new voice in the locker room. And that's what Jim Montgomery was all about. And he obviously has provided the right voice as far as the Bruins are concerned. Now, who knows? Two or three seasons down the road, he may be fired. (laughs) You never know. You know, managers and coaches are hired to be fired. And obviously, the Bruins made the right move by letting Cassidy go. He wound up on his feet very quickly in Vegas, doing a great job there. Just uh, the players, apparently... Uh, you know, he wasn't getting 100% out of what uh, what he had there. But, you know, I thought he had a, a, a very good record with the Bees, did very well. But, uh, obviously, management made the right move in this case. Uh, the Celtics, uh, they, let one, uh, they let one get away uh, last night uh, in Miami. They blew a 10-point fourth-quarter lead and uh, wound up losing 98-95 to to the Heat. At South Beach, Heat went uh, on a 15 to nothing run in the fourth quarter to erase the uh, Celtics' 10-point lead. Celtics playing without Al Horford, Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, all on the sidelines on Tuesday night for the Celtics. Jason Tatum had a double-double, 31 points, 14 rebounds. Celtics dropped to an NBA best. 35 and 14. When was the last time? I'm trying to rack my brain, and I'm sure I could look it up. But when was the last time the Bruins and Celtics had the best record in their respective leagues, the NHL and the NBA? Bam Adebayo, he had 30 points to lead Miami last night. Celtics will be hosting the New York Knickerbockers tomorrow night at the Toronto Dominion Garden. High school boys basketball on uh, Tuesday. It was Concord defeating Manchester Central in a nail-biter at the buzzer. 50-49 buzzer beater by Zanis Loris of the Concord High Crimson Tide. Tide now 4-5 and five on the season. Tonight, they are scheduled... And I underline that schedule to meet Portsmouth on the road at 7 o'clock. I have a feeling that there are going to be some uh, postponements of uh, games tonight due to the weather conditions late this afternoon and early this evening. Uh, Elsewhere in boys basketball, Cole Brown defeated Conval 73-61. Cole Brown now 6-2 on the year. It was Pelham over John Stark. 64-35. Manchester West defeated Merrimack Valley, 61-54. Pembroke Academy, under Mike Donnell, went to 9-1. 
with an 81-56 victory over Plymouth. Pembroke Academy on a roll right now, folks. Uh, Hopkinton held off Monadnock 60-59. Hopkinton Hawks now 10-1. And And it was Stevens over Hillsborough-Deering 73-46. Girls basketball, uh, Concord defeated Manchester Central. It wasn't a nail-biter like the boys' game was. The uh, girls, the Concord High girls, defeated Central 60-21. Bishop Girton over Sauhegan, 53-24. Bow was a 56-17 winner over Timberlane the Falcons. Bow Falcon girls now 9-0 on the year. Cole Brown down Conval, 51-49. Pelham over John Stark. 69 to 46. Kearsage defeated Guilford 47 to 32. Stevens 63 and Hillsborough Deering 25. High school hockey tonight. Maybe. And <laughs> I say maybe uh, due to the weather conditions that uh, will presumably be prevailing around that time. The undefeated, the 9 0 and 0 Concord High Crimson Tide. Scheduled to host Hanover tonight at the Everett Arena. Uh, face-off time is at 7.30. Meanwhile, the uh, Concord girls will be hosting Exeter today at 3.30 at the Everett Arena. Concord, the girls, will be looking for their sixth consecutive win. And they uh, are 6-2 and two overall on the season. And big football news yesterday. Big football news, and that is that the New England Patriots hired Bill O'Brien as their new offensive coordinator. Uh, Most recently, O'Brien was the offensive coordinator at the University of Alabama under the legendary Nick Saban. He was a Patriots assistant from 2007 through 2011, head coach at Penn State in 2012 and 2013, then the head coach of the Houston Texans from 2014 to 2019, and in 2020, Texans head coach and general manager. O'Brien will replace Matt Patricia after one season as the Patriots' much maligned offensive coordinator. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at anydelta.com or DeltaDentalCoversMe.com. Back with more after these words on WKXL and HTalkRadio.com. Kale and Company live here on WKXL and HTalkRadio.com. A delight to have you along with us on this Wednesday morning. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. One more sports note to pass along. We may have more, but uh, one more for sure. Scott Rowland has been elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame, sneaking over the threshold by the narrowest of margins. Rowland, one of the game's uh, top third basemen, was named on 76.3% of the ballots cast in his sixth year of eligibility to earn enshrinement, just missing was former Colorado Rockies first baseman Todd Helton, who received support on 72.2% of ballots in his fifth try at election. 
along with Helton, none of the other 27 players listed on the 2023 ballot cleared the 75% minimum for election. Players can appear on the ballot for 10 seasons after a five-year waiting period following their retirement, provided they are named on at least 5% of the ballots during a voting cycle. So Scott Rowland, who played for the Phillies and the St. Louis Cardinals, is in the Hall of Fame. And uh, no, no Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. No Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame. No Alex Rodriguez in the Hall of Fame. No Manny Ramirez in the Hall of Fame. All, all significantly uh, superior players, let's say, in my humble opinion, to Scott Rowland. But all had the taint of performance-enhancing drugs in their past. They were caught. You know who else was caught? David Ortiz. Where is David Ortiz? He's in the Hall of Fame. A lot, folks, has to do with the player's persona. Forget their incredible stats. If they rub the media the wrong way, and that's who's voting for the Hall of Fame, you rub the media the wrong way, you see what happens, you're exiled. Big Poppy tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs before he ever became Big Poppy. When he was just David Ortiz, released by the Minnesota Twins, he had a positive test. You know that Barry Bonds, for all the clamor there is about Barry Bonds and his use of performance-enhancing drugs... Barry Bonds never failed a drug test. Oh, yeah, his head got bigger. He probably was using, who knows. But you know what? As Jose Canseco told us in a book, most players were using something to enhance their performance. He felt over 75% of players in Major League Baseball were using something to enhance their performance. But, you know, A-Rod was never huge with the media. I mean, in terms of people, uh, media members liking him. Roger Clemens wasn't especially, uh, you know, uh, great with the media during his playing days. It's the, it's the writers, the grizzled baseball writers that are voting uh, on who gets into the Hall of Fame. You can't blame the Hall itself. But for Roger Clemens, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, I think another sin is the fact that Kurt Schilling, who was never, never associated with performance-enhancing drugs, and to this day is one of the greatest postseason pitchers of all time, but because some people consider him a right-wing idiot, he is not in baseball's Hall of Fame. And Kurt Schilling should definitely be in Baseball's Hall of Fame before Scott Rowland. 
There's no doubt about it. Many people wake up this morning and say, Scott who? But Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer. Kurt Schilling is not because Kurt Schilling has some views. Maybe he said some stupid things. Okay. We'll concede that. I mean, Kurt Schilling, you look it up, folks. One of the top postseason pitchers of all time and doesn't get a Hall of Fame sniff. Anyway, that's my rant for the day about the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is, folks, becoming a joke. Now, listen, Pete Rose, should he be in the Hall of Fame? Of course he should. Did he bet on baseball? I'm sure he did. He could be in there with an addendum to his plaque saying that Pete Rose was banished, barred, exiled from baseball because of his connections to illegal gaming on the game of baseball. Okay, you can add that addendum to his plaque. But for the all-time leader in hits, for the all-time leader in home runs, for one of baseball's greatest postseason pitchers of all time, for one of its greatest regular season pitchers of all time in Roger Clemens, not to be in the Hall of Fame is a joke. It is a joke. And so that's why the, the Hall of Fame balloting and, and the Hall of Fame itself is just becoming, uh, I don't know, people aren't, uh, most baseball fans now, it's not even on their radar because all these guys have been banned for one reason or another. And you're getting, uh, you know, listen, Scott Rowland was a, a fine player. He was. There's no doubt about it. And all of these guys that are getting in now, Fred McGriff, yeah, okay, Fred McGriff, you know, very good player. Hall of Famer. Those guys should be in a different class. Those guys should be in a different class than just a very good player. And Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Alex Rodriguez, as much as people hate to admit it, was a was a superstar. Barry Bonds, superstar. Pete Rose, superstar. But these baseball writers don't want to, you know, give them an opportunity to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. They, there, there can be addendums to those plaques that grace the wall of Cooperstown, beautiful place, the Hall of Fame. And, you know, they can say, you know, Roger Clemens was associated with uh, getting shots in the rear end during the latter stages of his career to enhance his performance. Okay, you can say that. And look, Andy Pettit, he had some association uh, with the same uh, quote-unquote doctor that Roger Clemens did. And uh, Andy Pettit, great uh, pitcher, very good postseason pitcher as well, isn't getting the votes that he probably uh, deserves. The top three vote-getters this year, Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, and Billy Wagner. And, uh, you know, down on the list you have uh, A-Rod, 
Manny Ramirez and Andy Pettit. So you tell me if it makes sense. If it does to you, well, that's fine. Maybe I'm maybe I'm in the minority. I probably am. I am about most things. At any rate, we have a winter storm warning in effect from uh, 3 p.m. this afternoon through 10 a.m. tomorrow for all of New Hampshire, north of Manchester, while the winter weather advisories are posted from 3 p.m. today through 7 a.m. Thursday for the state's southern three counties. Clouds will uh, thicken uh, as the day goes along. Temperatures climbing into the mid-20s and mid-30s ahead of the storm, which should arrive by mid-afternoon. The precipitation will initially fall as snow for all of New Hampshire before changing to a wintry mix and rain in the southern half of the state as temperatures rise late tonight. The snow will lead to slick travel conditions Wednesday afternoon and through the evening commute, which will be slow. An accumulation of a few inches of snow is likely in southern New Hampshire before a changeover to a wintry mix of rain where the precipitation stays mostly or all snow in the northern half of the state. The potential exists, folks, for 6 to 12 inches of snow. Great for ski country, and everybody's excited about that. Yeah, why not? Uh, Great for our economy, great for the Granite State, and going to be a lot of fresh new snow in ski country just in time for another big weekend in the Granite State. Kale and Company live here on WKXL. We'll take a break and be back with more here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are powered by Northeast Delta Dental. It's Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And our guest on Kale & Company is a man who developed post-traumatic stress in the 70s, serving as a young New Jersey state trooper. After spending three years working undercover, infiltrating the mafia. After his undercover police work, he went on to become one of the top NBA referees for 25 years. Now an internationally recognized expert on PTS. He is written with Dave Scheiber. A book entitled Heroes Are Human, Lessons in Resilience, Courage, and Wisdom from the COVID Front Lines. We welcome Bob Delaney to Kale and Company. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Ken. Good to be with you. It is uh, great to have you with us. And I, I guess uh, you knew The Sopranos uh, before most of us did. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great statement. I uh, did. I knew every one of those personalities yeah. uh, that would show up on uh, those episodes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you did. And uh, the reviews uh, for your book have been amazing, including uh, praise from NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. Yeah, uh, I, I've been very fortunate uh, in, in the uh, life that I've led, uh, as you said, uh, infiltrating the mob and, and being a New Jersey State Trooper and then getting into the NBA uh, during the heyday of uh, Larry and Magic and all the way up to uh, present day. I started in the NBA in 1986 and um, came off the floor as an active referee in 2011 and then moved into the front office and became the referee uh, vice president of operations and director of officials. So, Bob, what uh, inspired you to, to write a book about 
the the trauma that uh, frontline caregivers faced during COVID? Ken, w- one of the things that that took place for me is I, I became very aware of and uh, a student of post-traumatic stress after my own experience of doing that undercover work. And so this has been a, for the past four decades, I've been working with law enforcement, firefighters, first responders, and and our military. I've been to Iraq and Afghanistan on numerous occasions uh, throughout the United States, Asia, Europe, at different bases, sharing this message of post-traumatic stress, which I call operational stress when speaking with those who serve. And um, when I would drive by hospitals and see heroes work here, signs in front of every medical facility, I knew that anyone that gets that title doesn't feel like a hero. They're ordinary people doing extraordinary work. I was referred to as brave and heroic in the work that I did, and yet no one saw me walking around my house at 2 o'clock in the morning pushing shower curtains back with my gun out, paranoid that they were coming to get me. Post-traumatic stress uh, is a a real condition. It's a human condition. It's not a mental illness. And I think we've over-medicalized this conversation in our society and, and please don't interpret that I'm saying we don't need the medical side of the house. We do. We have tremendous resources. We just have to figure out how to build bigger and stronger bridges from those who have the resources to those who are in need. And so I, I understood that the, um, the healthcare community may be at risk. And so I started delving into it and spending time with those uh, nurses and, and doctors on the front lines. And I wrote an article in August of 2020, predicting a wave of post-traumatic stress. That article was in the Tampa Bay Times, and unfortunately it's coming true to this day. Mm. And uh, you were recognized by President Obama for your post-traumatic stress education work with our military. Uh, how, how do you compare the, the trauma faced by our, our military uh, during battle to that suffered by our doctors and nurses on the front lines uh, during the pandemic? You know, there's a similarity. Uh, you know, nothing is ever the same, but there's similarities. And um, whether it's uh, uh, at war with an enemy on foreign soil or it's dealing with an invisible enemy known as COVID, I think that there's a great deal of death that's seen. There's trauma that is ex- experienced. And so while I would never say anything is exactly the same, there are similarities. And I draw that because those in uniform, whether it's the uniform I used to wear as a New Jersey State Trooper or military uniforms, uh, make us think we can leap tall buildings in a single bound. We can handle it. And we compartmentalize what we see and experience. For a homicide detective, he or she compartmentalizes what they experience and go ahead and do their job. Well, those in the healthcare community, their uniforms are scrubs and lab, lab coats. And they also make them think they can leap tall buildings in a single bound. And and they're compartmentalizing what they see and experience. But this was a different experience during the pandemic. They were holding hands of those who were dying, where normally that would be family members there. They were setting up Zoom calls, uh, Facebook, uh, excuse me, FaceTime uh, conversations to say final goodbyes. They were never afraid of bringing cancer home. But now they had to be afraid of being of bringing disease home to their family. So these extra stressors, these additional stressors that were taking place on top of what they were experiencing, as well as being overworked, burnout that starts to come, 
All of those are conversations that need to be had so that we honor, thank, and support our healthcare community just like we do our troops. We support them, uh, and, and we need to do the same for our healthcare community. Our guest is Bob Delaney, author along with uh, Dave Scheiber of the book Heroes Are Human, Lessons in Resilience, Courage, and Wisdom from the COVID Front Lines. And Bob, uh, in your book, uh, you often give the opportunity uh, to the frontline workers to tell their the story in their own words rather than you know capsulizing them and, and telling them yourself. Uh, and I, I imagine that was a, a, a conscious effort on, uh, on your part. Yeah, Ken, I think it's important for folks to I use an analogy. I, you know, I would ask you and your, your listeners just to imagine I'm holding this really large balloon over my head full of air. How do I get the air out? I could take a pin and pop it, and I get the air out. Uh, but we don't have a balloon anymore. I can let the balloon go, and it flies all over the room, and it goes out the door. We don't know what happened to the balloon. But if we're patient and willing to listen to sounds we do not want to hear, and it may even hurt our ears with that screeching noise when we turn it upside down, let a little air out at a time, it makes that noise. But we'll get all the air out, and eventually we'll have a full balloon we can use another day. That's us with trauma. We need to get the air out of our balloons, so we need to tell our stories. When when you and I are having a conversation, you're giving me permission to tell my story. And then when we have that conversation, we validate each other's feelings so we don't feel like we're alone or out on an island and we're the only one experiencing something like this. And it, all, it gives a freedom. I've experienced it from what I've gone through. And I know what those kinds of feelings can do to you. It can create emotional violence inside of you. Um, it can cause for uh, feeling like I'm the only one in the world going through this. And, and that loneliness and that isolation uh, can cause for people to, to then spiral down. Uh, telling of stories is so important. And Ken, if I could, let me, let me just share one story from a nurse who was an ICU nurse who told me that she just wanted to get away from all she was experiencing with the COVID uh, patients that were dying in, in her presence. And she went out on the lake with her husband to spend the day just to chill, just to hang out. And at the end of the day, after a great day, they were pulling in, and she went out to the front of the boat, was going to tie it off. She started crying uncontrollably, and her husband, soldier, tied the boat off. And what had happened, Ken, on, on the land was a small boat covered with a tarp that was the same color of the, the body bag she had been putting uh, patients into. And she remembered every one of their names and saw every one of their faces. Mm. These are real stories of folks that have gone through traumatic experiences. And it's no different than, you know, I hear from troops and say, after they come home from Iraq or Afghanistan, sir, I hate garbage day in my town because all along the, the street, where the garbage is strewn, that's where IEDs could be hidden. Or, sir, I'm late when I, I, I'm late everywhere I go because I can't go over a bridge without checking for an IED. These are real stories of folks that have gone through traumatic experiences. Those who serve see what the rest of the world does not. Certainly, some uh, very powerful stories in this book. Bob, when did you realize that that you had it? Um, it, it took it took a while. What, what happened after I surfaced from the undercover work back in the 70s, um, I, I was hiding every one of my emotions. Um, you know, the isolation of not wanting to be around other people, the 
uh, pushing down of all my feelings. Uh, emotions and feelings are meant to be held, to be felt, and yet we as human beings do everything we can to hide our emotions. And um, it wasn't until another state trooper uh, who had a background in psychology pointed things out to me, because for something I wanted to get away from, I, I didn't want to be that undercover guy anymore. Yet, three weeks after I surfaced, I had the leather coat on and I was wearing the chains around my neck and I had the pinky ring back on. I was back to looking like the mob guys and, and because that was my new normal. Yeah. And it, it took a, t a while for me to be able to process what was going on. I got lucky. A guy by the name of Louis Free, who became the 15th director of the FBI, was a street agent during uh, my investigation. And he knew I was going through tough times. And he introduced me to another undercover guy by the name of Joe Pistone, who most of the world knows as Donnie Brasco. Mm. And Joe and I, um, <laughs> first time I spoke to Joe, saw it in his eyes, read his body language, listened to his words. I knew he got what I was going through. And that was my first introduction to peer-to-peer -peer conversation, speaking with someone that has gone through a similar experience. And I choose that word carefully, similar experience. We do not go through the same experience. We went through similar experience. And um, when you have someone like that that you can speak to, there's a validation uh, of, of your feelings. And that was the first step. And then I became a student of it. I, I, uh, I was immersed into it. I wanted to learn more. I wrote a second book called Surviving the Shadows, A Journey of Hope into Post-Traumatic Stress. And the reason I called it Surviving the Shadows, Ken, is that I believe we all have shadows in our lives. And yet, in order for a shadow to exist, there means, that means there has to be light nearby. And it's our responsibility to ourselves and to each other to get to that light. And then uh, I became a student at the Harvard Global Mental Health Trauma Recovery Program with Dr. Richard Medlika as the director. And he has a very simple statement. He said that trauma is inescapable in life. And what a true statement that is, because we all are susceptible to traumatic events. Right. Absolutely. Bob, can you stay with us for a few more minutes? We have to take a quick break here and have uh, some more questions for you. Bob Delaney, author of Heroes Are Human, Lessons in Resilience, Courage, and Wisdom from the COVID Front Lines. Uh, we'll be back with Bob, Kale and Company, live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Our guest, Bob Delaney, who infiltrated the mob with the New Jersey State Police, also spent 25 years on the court as an NBA referee and has uh, written a couple of books and one we're talking about today, Heroes Are Human, Lessons in Resilience, Courage, and Wisdom from the COVID Front Lines. I did it with Dave Scheiber, and very, very powerful book. And uh, Bob, also in that book, a story of a patient and his wife. And, and that suggests that uh, you, you don't have to be a caregiver to suffer from uh, COVID-related PTS, and that many patients and their loved ones suffer from it as well. Great point, Ken, and thanks for bringing that up because uh, I refer to emotional shrapnel that folks get hit with, right? So uh, friends, uh, family, loved ones get hit with the shrapnel uh, that is experienced when someone is going through post-traumatic stress. Not all wounds bleed, and invisible wounds may cut as deep as the wounds we do see. So having that awareness and, and having these conversations uh, on, on a nationwide basis is, is so important from my view. 
we have done the same thing with HIV, AIDS. We've done it with alcohol, drugs, tobacco. The more that we are aware of a conversation, aware of a subject, we interact with it at a higher level. It doesn't mean we're going to eliminate this, right? I had a soldier say to me, uh, Lieutenant uh, Colonel uh, Tim Karcher was hit in Iraq and lost both legs. Uh, and I spent time with him, and he gave a tremendous analogy. He said to me, you know what post-traumatic stress is like? It's like dieting. And some of us need to lose 5 to 10 pounds, some 10 to 20, and some of us are obese. And it changes sometimes on an hourly or daily basis. And I said, Tim, what a great way to give a quantitative measure to something that doesn't have a quantitative measure, too. We can't measure how much post-traumatic stress one person has over another. So it's not about eliminating it. It's about learning how to navigate it. I tell folks, you know, I've been 5 to 10 pounds overweight since I came out of the womb. And, and I've been 10 to 20 pounds, and I've been obese. But that didn't mean I stopped living at times. It just meant I bought bigger pants. And so <laughs> you learn how to interact with uh, post-trauma. It's not about eliminating. Education and awareness uh, is, is what I am striving for in, in sharing these stories within the books that I've written, the articles, the speaking engagements that I'm, that I, where I go to hospitals and, and spend time and, and, and help folks understand what they're experiencing. What should you do if you think you have PTS? Where, where do you turn? Well, I, post-traumatic stress, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in peer-to-peer conversation, which I refer to, and I don't... I choose that word carefully, peer-to-peer conversation. I used to call it peer-to-peer therapy, but I try to take away every medical-sounding term, uh, again, because I I think we've over-medicalized this and we scare people away from the conversation. So the more we can normalize this conversation, I think it's healthier. We are moving the bar in our country. Think about the Simone Biles situation. When Simone Biles uh, made the decision that she could no longer participate in the Olympics because of having that fear of something taking place when she was in the air. You know, think about 5, 10, 15 years ago, she would have been vilified as being unpatriotic, and yet society became very aware and knowledgeable about what she was experiencing and that she was in danger of hurting herself by being 10, 12 feet in the air and spinning. And if that's something that she could do, that's, that's courage. That took courage to make that decision. I have spoken with soldiers who have made decisions. They had to take a knee, meaning they had to come out of the fight, being on the battlefield. That takes courage. They made that decision because they knew their decision-making was not at the highest level of where it should be, and they were putting their teammates in, 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 in jeopardy. That takes courage. Our ability to have this conversation in a real deep way, and normalize the conversation about what I refer to as mind health. Again, taken away, when we say mental health, I think it conjures up mental illness. Mind health. We have physical health. We have emotional health. We have mind health. These are important conversations in in, in order to uh, combat post-traumatic stress and keep post-traumatic stress at post-traumatic stress and not allow it to grow to the disorder of post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. Ken, this has been around forever. Sophocles wrote two plays about the warrior not knowing how to act after coming home from battle. After the the Civil War, it was called Soldier's Heart. 
after World War One, shell shock, World War Two, battle fatigue, and it was referred to as flashbacks after the Korean and, and, and Vietnam Wars. This is a human condition. We now refer to it as post-traumatic stress disorder. But I believe PTSD is one of the most loosely used terms in our society. And folks, we do not get PTSD if Starbucks got our order wrong. It, it, we, are, we are minimizing, when we say PTSD, those who really are going through those kinds of experiences. So, Bob, how, how can family members and, and friends best support a loved one that is suffering from a post-traumatic stress? Be there to listen to them, just like they talked about getting the air out of the balloon, right? Be there to have that conversation, to listen, not to not to be so probing that, you know, you're asking a cop if he's ever uh, shot anybody. It, it, that's not the terminology that you want to use. You want to have a conversation and be uh, there to just hear their emotions. Be supportive. Uh, provide them with 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 information. And, and, and this is not trying to sell the book. By giving folks books about the conversation, books where, uh, and, and information or podcasts, we, we become more educated. And, and when we hear, so often, Ken, when I present, I will hear people come up to me after the presentation when I tell my story, and they will say to me, I felt like you were speaking directly to me. I said, because it's our story. It's not my story. It's our story. It's a story of humanity. And when you allow people to connect the dots to their own stories, that's the first movement. This is not a 10-step program where you just go through 10 steps and you get to a point where everything's uh, all good. And the world's not all gumdrops and lollipops. Uh, there are there are tough times in, in this world. And helping people and giving them the resources to be able to have these conversations and the freedom to have the conversation. I keep going back to that word, normalize the conversation. When we get to the point that we can speak about mind health as a normal conversation, and I think generations to come will, because we have moved the bar in this area. Think back, Ken. We, we all remember the, uh, the, the, the show Andy Griffin, right? Of I mean, course. I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I saw it live. Most people saw it on Nickelodeon, right? <laughs> no, I, I saw it live too, Bob. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, remember Otis the Drunk? Of Otis course. Otis the Drunk was a funny dude, right? He'd let himself in the cell on Friday night. He'd sleep it off. He'd get up in the morning, let himself out of the cell, go over and have breakfast with Andy and Barney, and we laughed at that. Yeah. Until the Mothers Against Drunk Drivers helped us understand that is not behavior to laugh at. We move the bar in our country. We have a difference. Didn't mean we eliminated drunk driving, but we put dents in it, and, and we had a, a, an education and awareness program that started early in uh, high schools, in, in middle schools, in, in grammar schools. That's what we need about understanding trauma. We need to have these kinds of programs in place early on so that we increase resiliency. We increase the courage to have these conversations. And, and that will make a difference. Well, Bob, you've been a, a terrific guest, a lot, lots of insight uh, into this, uh, this issue. And, uh, and folks, uh, the, the book is Heroes Are Human, Lessons in Resilience, Courage, and Wisdom from the COVID Frontlines. And, uh, Bob, I certainly admire your work. In fact, I, I, I admire the work of uh, NBA officials who, who don't have load management, no nights off for the officials, and they're on the court 48 minutes or more. Uh, every game, and you did it for uh, 
25 years. Hey, hey, what what arena, what what fan base was toughest on you as an NBA official? Uh, it depended on the night. Uh, you know, uh, but the, there were a couple of fan bases like uh, Boston and uh, New York where they were so sophisticated uh, that they knew the difference of whether we were messing up or the players were messing up. Uh, they, they knew the game, so uh, always appreciated being in those arenas. Well, Bob, thank you for what you were doing, and uh, and thanks for being on with us today. Much appreciated. Ken, uh, to you and your listeners, just just know that self-care does not mean selfish. So uh, take care of you. Bob, thanks so much. Well stated. Have a great day. You as well. Thank thanks. you. Bob Delaney, co-author of the book Heroes Are Human, Lessons in Resilience, Courage, and Wisdom from the COVID front lines. That will do it for this edition of Kale & Company. Thank you for joining us here on WKXL and htalkradio.com. We are powered by Northeast Delta Dental.